Welcome to the Property Voice Podcast, helping you to navigate safely through the world of property investing. Get the lowdown and updates, insights and outcomes on all matters property with a splash of entertainment along the way. The Property Voice, a voice to trust among the crowd. Now, let's get started with your host, Richard Brown. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Property Voice podcast. My name is Richard Brown and as always, it's a pleasure to have you join me on the show again today. Now this week, I've been thinking a lot about giving back. And this was further encouraged by a listener by the name of Carl Gilbert, who contacted me on the subject. Our exchange confirmed my interest in the topic for this week. And and so that's the theme I'm going to explore a little bit in Property Chatter. And you might be thinking, what has giving back got to do with property? But all will be revealed. So right now, let's get on with the show and property chatter. Okay, so let's get on with this week's featured topic with property chatter. The gift that keeps on giving is the title for the show. And... um, I've used this in in a a couple of ways, actually, but I wasn't quite sure of the origin. So I did look it up. And apparently this phrase was first used as a marketing catchphrase for the photograph dating back some 90 years or so. So it was the early part of the last century. And you can understand why it was used as every time you look at a photograph, it reminds you of a particular memory, person or place. Now, I personally started to use this phrase phrase rather when I bought my wife um, a Kindle for Christmas. Now, I entered into it the information to get it going so that she could use it straight out of the box. Of course, I didn't realize that every time she downloaded a book on it, that the billing would come to my account. Obviously, I'd set it up in, you know, the easiest way I could with my own account information. Uh, Well, I was a little bit technically challenged uh, with this newfangled device. So (laughs) there we go. But what it meant is each time my wife ordered a new book, I got a nice email from Amazon confirming my purchase. (laughs) So I then started to coin the phrase that uh, this Kindle that I'd given my wife for Christmas was the gift that keeps on giving. Because quite clearly, I was giving her books every time she wanted to read a new book. So to be honest, I, you know, I didn't really mind. It was it was kind of satisfying to see how much use and enjoyment she was getting out of this new device. So um, it was all a bit of fun, really. And I, I certainly didn't resent it. And, you know, three to five pounds for a Kindle book really wasn't uh, a great uh, a great problem or sacrifice on my part, was it? But the only real downside, if I can, if I can think of one, the only real downside was having a, a few romance novels showing up in my library whenever I was looking for a next Kindle in you know, a book to read uh, myself. So that was uh, that was perhaps the only downside. But um, it has caused the odd chuckle, I have to say, in in our household, as you can probably imagine. But today I want to apply the concept of the gift that keeps on giving to a wider definition of giving instead. So it's not just presents or gifts in in, in that sense. It's It's a wider definition. Now, personally speaking, I believe that in order to to live a full and satisfying life, that giving needs to form a part of it. Now, it could be in the sense of charitable financial giving, or it could be in other ways, such as giving time as a volunteer your energy and sacrifice to raise money for a good cause, or even sharing your knowledge with other people to help them grow, develop, or avoid mistakes. To me, then, giving is a great way for two or more people to benefit, both the giver and the recipient. Now, the the recipient is perhaps obvious, as maybe they get something that they need. But the giver, however, also gets something. 
Not that they necessarily do it specifically for that reason, but it does certainly form a part of human makeup, of our human nature. The giver also gets a sense of satisfaction and a lift in their self-esteem as a result of giving to support others. Then there is this universal law that says what we give out, we tend to get back. Perhaps not literally, so the soup to the homeless guy on the street corner who's hungry may not come back to us as soup, but certainly the universe will always look to pay us back somehow, some way. The gift of soup to a hungry homeless guy could come back to us as an answer to something we are hungry for, for example. may not be soup, but it may be, we may be hungry for something else instead. So that's this principle, this universal law of what we tend to give out, we tend to get back, but not necessarily in the way that we, we might imagine and not necessarily directly. Now, if we think about that principle for a moment, what we, what we give out, we tend to get back, it can be a very you know, powerful and driving force to us. So just think if if we gave out a sense of lack or harsh thoughts and words or stinginess, let's say, if we if we share this belief that the universe has laws and one of those laws is that what we give out, we tend to get back, that it might alter how we think and act a little bit, mightn't it? Okay, so if, if the laws of the universe part is getting a little bit too spiritual, let's say, for, for some of you, let's just stick to giving as a good thing instead. And then we can consider how we might do this in such a way that it becomes a motivation, a driving force for us. This is where Carl comes in. Carl dropped me a note after he listened to my episode about motivation. He already donates to charity and indeed he wants to donate more to one particular charity that is very close to his heart. He had an idea to make himself more accountable to do this, and so he wanted to write a, a big post-dated check for five to ten years down the line. So it was going to have a big number on it, and he would then give the check to the charity with a promise that it would be ready to clear by the date written on it to make himself both motivated and accountable to raise the funds. I mean, wow. I mean, <laughs> what a great idea, and how motivating might that be? After all, the charity would be holding the cheque ready to bank it later, and so they would be depending on him to deliver the funds to enable it to clear. Carl, obviously, would be very driven and motivated because he would know that the charity was relying on him, and you know, I'm sure that the number was big enough to, to challenge and motivate him to, to, to act and to make it worthwhile. So Carl and I, we exchanged a couple of notes on the subject, and, and I think we, we more or less agreed that having annual pledges to the charity might be, might be better than, say, writing a big post-dated cheque, you know, several years down the line, five to ten years, I think it was. Although I've heard people that have adopted a similar approach to this. Famously, I think it was Jim Carrey, if my, uh, if my memory serves me correctly. Although I think that was, um, he wrote it, he wrote out a check for his first uh, movie paycheck, or rather a movie paycheck. It was, it was in the millions anyway, and it was a long time before he was famous. So it's certainly a very powerful thing to do. I don't think he gave that check to anybody. I think he just uh, had it upon his person or had it somewhere visible. So perhaps we can still write a check for five to ten years time, say. Then we could pin it to the fridge as a constant reminder that we need to act in order to raise the funds due ready for when it will be banked. Now, whether we actually give the check in advance to the charity is, you know, is, is basically up to you. But um, just bear in mind, somebody once told me that um, post-dated checks could in fact be presented early and could in fact be cleared. I don't think there's a, a legal obligation for the bank to wait until the date. I think once it's presented, it has to be cleared. So um, just watch out for that one if you, uh, if you do want to start giving checks out. That's all I would say. 
Now, I really do doubt that a charity would do anything like that deliberately. I mean, they may do it by mistake, but I'm sure that uh, we'd probably prefer that the check cleared first time, I imagine. Um, another variation, of course, to this, uh, this idea is to have annual pledges instead. And so perhaps following the post-dated check principle, in a, as an idea, writing out the check at the beginning of the year that you intend to to honour at the end of the year, um, you know, is a very powerful uh, way of doing that. And I, I know a lot of people who adopt that type of approach. Uh, I certainly have a uh, an annual giving pledge. I don't I don't necessarily write a check, but I certainly have a target, a number in mind, and uh, and that uh, that drives me, of course, to to uh, to earn enough money really to pay for it. So this little exchange with Carl, it did cement some of my own thoughts on the idea of, uh, of making giving a part of our values and our life's plan, and hence today's theme. And I will attempt to draw a parallel to our property investing as the episode unfolds, so uh, bear with me. <laughs> Personally speaking, I indeed do um, have a giving as part of uh, a central part of my values and, and life plan, as I mentioned. And this is summed up by the headings I use for my annual goals. So I have annual goals in each of these following headings. Have, be, do, and give. And I have goals, as I mentioned, in each one of them. And um, have is much, you know, is more material. Be is, is more about character and personal growth and development. Do is, is more about experiences. And give is all about other people. How I intend to give to other people. And it's not exclusively financial, I have to say. So how I give does include charitable giving, definitely. And I particularly like to support causes using what I call the HELP mnemonic. Um, HELP stands for Housing, Enterprise, Learning and Poverty. So that's very personal to me. And each person will have their own personal preferences. And so I'm not suggesting mine to be superior in any way. They're just personal to me. Just as Carl had causes you know, personal and meaningful to him. And I'm, I'm sure you will have causes, uh, you know, which are personal and meaningful to you as well. But the very idea is of setting goals for, for giving and, it, you know, in, in, in this particular area and having them as a clear motivator and then making ourselves accountable, as Carl and I have been discussing, is likely to ensure that we, we don't just make it merely a wish, but a completed action instead. And of course, that's going to be much more satisfying for everybody, isn't it? Just imagine for a minute the things the charity can do as a result of our efforts. It's really powerful stuff, really powerful. Now, I don't intend to go public necessarily, aside from the odd giving goal or ambition. Um, but one thing I do want to share with you right now is um, I, was, I was recently invited to run a 10K in, in, in November this year by some friends. Now, the fact of the matter when the invitation came were as follows. <laughs> First of all, I'd never run a distance like this before in my entire life. Now, I've been physically active, but I just wasn't really a runner. Uh, I'd run shorter distances. I think I'd run a 5K once, uh, not even multiple times. So I'd run a 5K once, but that was many years ago. I did cross country at school and I hated it in all honesty. <laughs> uh, I seemed to be able to get by. I was, I was a runner on a football field, but you know, I was chasing a ball around a field. So that was quite different. That was the first thing. The second thing is, uh, I've actually been recovering from an Achilles injury thanks to football. Uh, and so I was not exactly in the greatest shape, especially for a cardio intensive activity like a 10K run. Finally, as it turned out, the event itself was oversubscribed by the time we submitted our or tried to submit our entry. And so the chance to do this particular run had now passed and my friends were no longer as motivated. 
quite obviously as they first walk because it was uh, at first were rather because it was uh, as an event they'd done in the past and they're going to make it a family thing and you know they're going to travel to do it and that sort of thing so their motivation had waned quite a bit so that where did it leave me so I was probably off the hook in all honesty but there was something going on inside of me uh, which wouldn't leave the idea alone and so after a bit of thought I decided I was going to do the 10k run anyway as crazy an idea as this is I'll probably end up doing it on my own, although I will invite my friends to join me, uh, the ones I mentioned earlier, but um, it probably won't be in an organized event, um, you know, which, which, you know, I think itself can be very motivational. If you're running in an organized event, it's going to be much more motivational. You've got a set date, you've got people around you, you know, probably a common cause. Think London Marathon or Race for Life, for example. So there's a chance for me to lose motivation here quite clearly and of course accountability. You know, the, the, the chances of me falling by the wayside are quite high. And so that's why I'm telling you right now, I'm making myself publicly accountable. So you can hold me to account. The original date to do the run with my friends was the 7th of November uh, 2015. And so I'm sticking to this date. I will run a 10K on that Saturday and I'll raise money for a small school in the middle of the Amazon rainforest as a result. Now, there's a, that's a public commitment, and I'm making myself accountable for such a deserving cause at the same time. Now, I, I know that running is not really my favorite thing, so, so that declaration should at least help me to maintain my focus here. Let me just tell you a little bit about the school, though, because this school, and Maria in particular, the teacher, are amazing. Um, it, I, was, I was fortunate enough to go and visit them when I was on a, a trip to, uh, to the Amazon rainforest, as you might have gathered. And uh, this school is literally on a small island in the middle of the rainforest. It's surrounded by water as the waters rise, obviously, uh, for six months of the year. And uh, the kids are brought in from surrounding villages by boat. In fact, the teacher, Maria, the teacher, used to drive the boat herself and pick all the kids up and bring them into the school before her son was old enough and eventually took over. She's been running the school for about 10 years. Now, there's several, there's now several classes a day. Originally, it was one class a day and it just, you know, it, 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 it taught all of the children regardless of age. But it's now grown, I think it's two or three classes a day. There's still a relative mixed age group, but it's, uh, it's much more focused. And there's a teaching assistant that's now come on board as well. So it has grown. But what really touched my heart, I have to say, was um, they organized a little presentation of the children. In fact, it was a public holiday the day we visited, and yet the kids were still there. They knew we were coming, and so they had a special event they brought the kids in just so that we could see what was going on and that was special in itself but what what really struck me was um, the kids were asked to stand up and, and answer a couple of questions about their name their age etc but the one key question they were asked was what do you want to be when you grow up and most of them can you believe said doctor teacher vet ranger and guide and there was the odd footballer too <laughs> but it was it was inspiring and and really just to put it in some sort of context and by way of contrast there were some some western children on the same tour of uh, as us as you can probably imagine this is it's not a a low cost experience to to make a trip such as that one and so you know i'm saying that they probably come from well off means certainly much more well off than the children on the on in in the amazon rainforest and they were asked the same question in response you know what what do you want to be when you grow up well in fact they were asked to to give their name and age etc but the, the same question what do you want to be when they grow up and most of them said i don't know 
And, and I'm not saying necessarily that we, we should know as, as a young child what we want to be when we grow up. I mean, I remember saying firemen, for example, but it was, uh, it was more that they, they, um, you know, they seemed, the, the, the kids from the rainforest seemed keen to learn and to strive and to make something of their lives. And they were living in such a challenging environment, as you might imagine. You know, and uh, this school, uh, it, it used to be open air, just to put it in context. It used to be literally in the open air, chairs on the grass. Um, and then, in fact, the, it was a British lady who funded the building of the school building itself. So and they had some support to get going and have it as a, like a couple of classrooms. But, um, you know, it's, it's modest. Let's just put it that way. And the school and the teacher, were, they weren't asking for any help. There were no begging bowls going around. No one was asking for any help. They were just pleased to show what they were doing. And so, um, you know, but they, but they did, you know, they clearly needed some help with books and other materials and that sort of thing. That was that was clear to see. So I'm sorry about this long-winded story, but um, I decided to dedicate my 10K run to raise money for them. And um, I'll, I'll give it both in terms of training for the run, because trust me, I don't enjoy r the running, especially for that such a, a distance, but also financially to support them as well. So uh, even if they don't know it yet, because I haven't disclosed it to them, but I've disclosed it to you now. Now, I hope um, I can give them, you know, give it a nice, you know, try and, and raise some money for them and, and give them an early Christmas present is really what I'm looking to do. Uh, not in terms of presents as such for the play with, but in terms of educational materials to help these kids to maybe get a, you know, a better start in life. Um, they've already got an inspirational teacher, but I think it'd be great to give them something practical as well. So there we go. I'm hoping to do something to both uh, support their education and inspire the children. And that's that's one of my pledges, at least. And if you're interested in supporting this, uh, you don't have to, but I'm um, just mention it now. Then I've set up a crowdfunding page on Just Giving, and the details of which will be available through the show notes uh, for today's episode. Or alternatively, just drop me a quick email, podcast at thepropertyvoice.net, and I'll share the link with you. By all means, happily do that. However, just getting back to the topic, giving itself is also a gift that keeps on giving. And if we remember the universal law that what we give out, we also get back. So as we give, be it good or bad, we keep getting that back too. And that makes our giving, if you like, a virtuous circle of give, receive, give, receive, and so on. So how does that relate to us as property investors, you might well be asking, if you've stuck with me this far? Well, we're usually in a fairly privileged position, aren't we? I mean, certainly we should be after some time doing this at least. So we and our families will definitely be in a better position than many of these kids in the Amazon rainforest, for example. I believe it was uh, Andrew Carnegie, then the richest man in the world, who said, wealth is not to feed our egos, but to feed the hungry and to help people help themselves. Now, I've adopted this as a kind of mantra or wealth principle myself. And, you know, if we take, you know, I'm not solely fee uh, feeding the hungry with the school thing, but I'm definitely helping some people to help themselves. So, you know, I've, as I say, I've adopted this as some sort of uh, principle myself. And, and, and then there's the, the universal laws that I've just mentioned or I've been talking about. What we give out, we tend to get back. So if we want good things to come back to us, if we want abundance to come back to us, then that's obviously what we need to give out. And conversely, if we don't want bad things to come back to us and lack to come back to us, then we don't want to be giving that out either. Now, I think this has everything to do with us, uh, sorry, do, yeah, to do with us as far as property investors are concerned. And whilst I'm not specifically talking about properties or investment principles or, you know, the, the, the real nuts and bolts and nitty gritty of property investing, 
I am talking about a life philosophy, general principles and universal laws that will directly or indirectly play a part in how successful and crucially how enriching our property investment journey could be. And that's the link I'm trying to draw here, if that makes any sense whatsoever. So what should or could we do then about this? Well, all we really need to do is, is decide what it is we want to give out and also then to get back. What is your gift that keeps on giving? Is it money to charity, time into the community, energy and sacrifice for good causes, or knowledge and information for others to learn from? It could be a range of different things, but in addition to the recipient getting the fruit of our giving, we also sow back into our lives the very thing that we give, be it the money, the time, the energy, the knowledge, and so on. So in true Top Gear style then, on that bombshell, we shall leave it. Rather profoundly, I have to say, there for now. <laughs> so that's it for another week. Series 2 is uh, close to starting, and so this summer interlude of soundbites, musings, may be drawing to a close soon. Um, I hope you I hope you're enjoying them. I have to say, but uh, don't forget the show notes are going to be over at the website www.thepropertyvoice.net, and feel free to drop me a line anytime for a chat at uh, podcast at thepropertyvoice.net. I'd love to hear from you, especially this week after this episode on giving. And thanks in particular to Carl for helping to motivate me to share this musings episode today in today's show. And finally, I haven't plugged reviews for a while and uh, I do plan to start sharing them again soon on, on the show notes, oh, sorry, in the show. But if you've got anything out of the show at all, whether it's specifically about property or this, this more you know, general topic of life principles and values, it'd be, it would really mean a lot to me if you could leave uh, a review for the show in iTunes. It, it also helps to spread the word because more people will get to hear about us if there's more reviews. So there's... Um, there's plenty out there who haven't yet heard about the Property Voice podcast. You know that. So I really appreciate if you could do that one thing. But uh, right now, though, that's all that's left for me to say is thank you very much for listening once again. And until next time on the Property Voice podcast, it's ciao, ciao. Thank you for listening today. Now head over to thepropertyvoice.net for more inspirational content and get updates through our mailing list. Join us next time on the Property Voice podcast. And if you enjoyed the show, please don't forget to rate us on iTunes.